Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. Joined, as always, on my awfully destructive, murderous path of revenge uh, by my dear friend and lady prison cellmate, (laughs) Alex Dandino. I don't know what the audience knows. I don't pre-write these genius intros for every show. Sometimes you just start stumbling and saying things and hope you get there. They are quality. I'll say that. That's right. Uh, So, guys, before we go, I have to ask favors of all of you. If you like the show and you've been with us, make sure you're sharing with your friends. Grab them and watch one of the movies and then give give one of the episodes to a man. That helps us out a ton. Please. Uh, Whatever podcast directory you find us on, Leave a rating and review. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. Uh, we're Film Alchemist One, I believe, on Twitter. Yep. Uh, so like the social media, share stuff, rate, review, all that kind of legwork that you don't want to do means a lot to this show. We're still fresh. Things are going well, and we're trying to springboard that with your help. Make it happen, um, friends, please. Yeah, so before you guys take revenge on me for wasting precious show, begging, uh, we're all, we're back into revenge. This is another entry into uh, the Pod Takes Revenge Month. This one, we're going uh, back to the 70s. What what year is this? 73? 73. 73 uh, with just a fucking classic movie, Lady Snowblood. If you haven't seen this, it's actually on Filmstruck right now. Uh, really fun app, too. If you guys uh, ever get a chance, uh, check it out. Toshia Fujito directing based on a uh, manga of the same name. Yeah. it. Lady Snowblood is one of those. There's this term that's thrown around a lot nowadays, the cinema of cool. Yeah. Right? This, to me, is one of those movies you watch, and you're like, this is unabashed fucking coolness. Yeah. It really <laughs> is. Like, it comes from that place that... Very obviously, Quentin Tarantino comes from, but it's like one of those things where you're like, I said, I def- you, you definitely feel like, oh man, I am seeing something that everyone should fucking see because it makes them that much cooler. It's- well, not only that, it's so funny now because you watch it nowadays. Like, my wife loves Kill Bill, that's one of her all time favorite movies, right. right? I She watched it with me and she just, I saw her face, like her brows furrowing, like, what the fuck? Yeah. And she was like, Wait, he took a lot of that. And I was like, yeah, this is one of the movies that made Tarantino who he is. He's kind of the arbiter now, or at least was for a long time, of this cooler version of cinema, right? Yeah. Uh, This is one of the movies that helped shape him. Obviously, Kill Bill borrows enormously from this. And I don't think Tarantino's hiding that or trying to hide that he was aping some of this. I think he was saying, I fucking love Lady Snowblood. You know, here's kind of my version to add some fun. Yeah. Like even crazy things like just cutting from animation, some of the the close-ups, the way we are introduced to the uh villains we're tracking down. Yeah. I think it's Kill, just, Yeah, Kill Bill is this love letter oh. to just this movie. Like if you've ever yeah. <laughs> if you see this movie, it's not a love letter to like revenge movies or like Japanese cinema. It's a love letter to Toshio Fujito, Fujita and Lady Snowblood. That's what this is. The movie is yeah. fucking well, awesome. Imagine this. Imagine going back to 1973 and being one of the first people to see this in a theater. Oh, man. And just being like, holy fuck, man. This is hot. <laughs> like, yeah. Right? Or whatever you would say back then. This is groovy, man. <laughs> I don't Fight the man. I mean, think about going in in 1973. Like, what else came? Like, 1973, you're looking at movies... Like, this is the era, too, of, like, really great, like, fiercely independent cinema starting to erupt in in America. And thinking about going to, like, a small, shitty little theater, because that's exactly where you would have found this kind of movie. Like, you would have seen on the marquee Lady Snowblood, and you're like, the fuck is that? You would have walked into this theater, sat down, and experienced something, like, so awesomely, violently, brutally awesome. Like that is really kind of the best way I can describe this movie is there's just this right brutal intensity to every character in the movie. And there's also some really great just like 
I there's so much about this, especially the main character, especially you know Snowblood herself. That's so fascinating to me. It's really cool. Well, it's also funny, right? Because 73 is the year of Enter the Dragon. Yeah. So we get this Bruce Lee kind of. And one of the things Bruce Lee did, right, was he was shattering this myth of like the meek Chinese man. Right. Right. He was this fucking badass. So. But this movie does that also for a woman, man, for back then, which is really cool to make, you know, Lady Snowblood instead of another Toshiro Mufune type. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But, dude, I was looking up. 73 was a banger. So you have The Exorcist, The Sting, yep. Westworld, Westworld, Soylent Green. So you get your cool like sci-fi there. Uh, Paper Moon, The Last Detail, Don't Look Now, Mean Streets, Serpico. Mm. I mean, The Wicker Man. The Lord These is my shepherd. Badlands. Badlands came out then. Oh, yeah. You get the beginning of uh, Terrence Malick. Like, 73 was a hell of a year for making movies. It's crazy, dude. But it, it's it's fun because, like you said, it's a lot of kind of new, uh, kind of rising independent voices. A lot of really fun genre stuff. Yeah. Um. And yeah, Lady Snowblood, man, just a great entry into that. Uh, this movie starts off high style. Yeah. I this the the opening couple minutes of this movie really illustrates so well one of the best things about this movie. Um. That opening shot in the prison, right? This kind of disgusting little prison, arms draped through the bars, right? So we see this kind of sad loneliness. But in the background, this very just black, blacked out set in snowfall. Yeah. Um, it gives it almost this crazy Sin City look, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Um, but it, it makes it almost a nightmarish separate place. So we go from there. We see this woman struggling in birth. Um. It's, it's hard, right? You know this isn't going well. And uh, she starts off with this fucking speech. I'm like, this is an all-timer way to start the movie. It's just this lady giving birth in a prison. Very obvious it's not going to go well for her, right? We, right. we can kind of tell she's not going to make it through. And she just does that, uh, you will carry on my vendetta. Yes. You're an Asura demon. And this is crazy, man, because I, I watched this and this fucking blew my hair back because I've been in there that moment when you first see your child. Yeah. And uh, when I saw my first child enter the world, I was just a fucking wreck. Right. Right. Of like emotions and joy, whatever. Uh, I was like, imagine looking at that child and be like, stop crying, bitch. We got work to do. Right. <laughs> just immediately like not enjoying it at all. Just like get to training. Start crunches, you little lazy. <laughs> uh, but it's so fucking gangster, dude. Yeah. Just. This fucking badass intro. And then we cut to this beautiful, fully grown woman, right? And mm-hmm. these, you know, this nice outfit carrying an umbrella and this beautiful little, it's just a street set with just yeah. completely ba- blacked I love that out they, skies and snow. I it's love gorgeous. that they kept the blacked out sky stuff. Like that to me is like, because the other thing too that I love is immediately after she sort of gives this like blessed sacrament of revenge to her kid, like you fade up and the snow starts falling. And then it turns red, and that's when the credits start, and you're like, holy shit, man. Shit is going down for sure. Like, yeah, it goes, it's, like, it's, through the oh, bars. I love that. It's so beautiful. And this is a weird decision, right? Because throughout the rest of the movie, we see her in other, so many other real-world places. Right. Like, there's a spot when the reporter's trying to track her down. Those are just streets. They could have done. They could have jumped those guys there. Yeah. The fact that this was an intentional stylistic decision and that that's what it looks like now. Like production wise, this could have been anything, but it adds this fucking badass epicness to the violence. Yeah. We're watching it almost as a, you know, this kind of stage play, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a morality tale. Yeah. It separates us from this because the mixture of the, the beauty of the blackness with the white snow and then that epic fucking blood squirts, right? Like that's Kill Bill. Love that. Yeah. Right. So she fucking is standing there and these little henchmen are like, get out of the way of Japanese Mario here or whatever the fuck they're doing. And she starts hacking them to bits and blood is just it's everywhere in that mix of just this beautiful kind of idyllic, you know, painting setting to just cartoonish blood, sp- yeah. blood spilling is so fucking awesome. I love that opening scene. Just I love the stillness. Like there's snow, there's a blacked out sky, and there's just like the outside of a wall. Like there's something about that is so 
it's obviously a set, but at the same time, there's something so visceral about it because they basically, I mean, really what it is, is it's almost like, it's almost like watching fluid comic book panels. Like that's the part that I love yes. most about it. Yes. It felt like I was watching, like when I see things adapted from books, like it felt like I was watching that. That was really cool. Well, it's just, it's so, I mean, what is that mizzen scene, right? The, mm-hmm. just the use of the backgrounds and the effect they can have on that, like props and this and that, but it's like this beautiful little set. And it's just this, the way to like present the road very narrow. So they have to confront, yeah. um, an umbrella sword, a fucking full super flip. Love that murders. It's just, it's badass dude into the titles. And that's, that's what the, the recurring theme I kept coming back to. Is I'm like, this is just one of the most badass movies. Yeah. It's so good, man. Um, I'm trying to think, where where do we go from here? I mean... So this is the crazy part, right? So we open up on this, you will be my weapon of vengeance into vengeance. And then this movie takes an enormous diversion and tells us this huge epic tragedy that sets up Snowblood's quest right which is really so, horrible it, too and it's also very steeped oh, in like, man, for sure. this is another thing that i think is really fascinating about the cult it's like a like this might is this the first foreign film we've done on the show by the way might be uh yeah i think so i mean this is sort of the interesting thing too that i noted is well no bad taste oh yeah bad taste <laughs> bad taste is pretty bad taste is pretty close to like americana cinema there's a lot going on sure there. This, though, is the first movie we've watched where I feel like you have to understand a little bit about the cultural differences between uh, Japanese and American people. Like, there's a lot going on with, like, uh, tax riots and that kind of thing, because that's really kind of where this... The blood tax riots. The blood tax this riots. This is a cool is, moment, right? Yeah, they cut it's awesome. to They're doing close-ups of these artworks. Love like these it. artworks. It's very much uh, Oren Ishii's anime yeah. yep. cut, right? To give us all this information, they show us this picture, and it's still very captivating. So essentially, it's you were gonna go into the military. These this group of criminals, right? These uh, ruffians. Yeah, these decide these, these they're four. gonna trick. Yeah, they're gonna trick these plebes into giving them two hundred and fifty dollars, and they won't be in the draft. That's all a ruse. Yeah. Right, and then in the course of this, this gang uh, run into Lady Snowblood's mom and her dad and her older brother. Right. Who's a very young kid at the time. He comes up and he's wearing a white suit and they just jump out. He's a white suit. He's one of them. Immediately peg him. We never know if they actually believe that or not. Yeah. Right. Um, there's kind of this guy, weird thing. The villagers seem that, sad. That blood, though, too. Like the amount of it's not it doesn't it just looks like red paint. Like there's no like caro corn syrup <laughs> or anything. It's just like flowing red paint out of these squib bags. Like the amount of blood after they kill this guy that's just soaked into the like water, like the, the stream dirt, yeah. that goes out. Oh my <laughs> god! I was like, this is like I was trying to but, I, like I wrote down. I was like, why is there so much blood? Why? I love it because what it is is it's it's again, and this gets back to stillness. Mm-hmm. So it's a way to visually show us the essence of vitality being gone. Right. This right. was a living man. Right. A pure living being in white. They do that a lot. This this contrast between white and red. Right. So he's just a, a living being, uh being a good man in the world. And as we just slowly watch blood gush out of this body, right. You you're just watching uh it's the gnarly way to really take in the the weight of what's just happened. Yeah. Past the cartoonish blood sprays. Right. Um the the excessiveness of the spraying to me, is almost like watching the soul leave, right? This ghost is leaving them. I think it's a really cool effect that it achieves. Oh, no, I think um, it's great. Yeah, it seems kind of like one of these silly, childish things, but I, it, somehow you're able to work it backwards in your brain, reverse engineer it to have like this really cool, deep effect. Yeah, I mean, it. it I, man, stillness, that's a really good way to put it. Like, because they, a lot of the time when there is just this mass amount of blood coming out of one of these guys, like, I think about the guy, um, I can't remember the character's name of the person she kills out on the out on the water on the rocks. That's another one. Ta- that, Takamura. Yeah, where he like falls into, he falls into the rocks and like sl- like turns over, but there's still just so much red. Like that's a good way to put it. And they hold on that shot for so long. Yeah, stillness. 
That's a good way to put it. But that. yeah, as the red seeps into the sea, right? He's also just being tossed around like this fucking piece of meat. Yeah. You know, it's kind of just the... This is one of the cool things this movie does as far as a revenge film, too, that I love. Is it It shows you the utter pointlessness of all of this. Yeah. And it, it's so... But yeah, Takamura's death is really fascinating. Not only because she kills him on the beach and then he's just tossed about... You know, there was this guy, and his whole downfall is very tragic before she even gets there. There's a great cutaway scene that I still don't know why they did it. She murders him on the beach, drags his dead ass up to the mountain, and throws him off the cliff again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, you're just really fucking getting your money's worth. <laughs> so I was like, man, just degrade the shit out of this guy. Oh, yeah. She did not give a fuck. That's what's so cool. Like, I... There's one thing that I wasn't expecting that's very different, actually, than Kill Bill, which the demon aspect of it, like this sort of otherworldly thing that I really liked is they kept referring to her a lot of times like sort of she lacks this sort of compunction with emotion, which I love. Like this assure this assorta demon that the that is like inhabiting her essentially. Like I, I love that aspect of it. There's this other sort of magical realm to it kind of for me in that case. Like I really yeah, like Kill, Kill Bill dabbles a lot in the she's obviously supernatural in her abilities. Yeah. But this one really gets to the the animating force of revenge that she's already born stained. Right. Yeah. Right. And she'll never like there's this crazy because this thing we get in. Right. They kill the school teacher. They take turns raping her mom and passing her around. They right. kill just one of the most horrific shots is her little brother dead outside of that rape shack. Ugh. And it's just like, holy fuck. So we're going through this this journey with her mom that's so fucking crushing. Yeah. Right? So she's being raped, and then one of the four bandits takes her with her to be a waitress. It's like, hey, you're a waitress host. He's like, you know, Japanese Artie Buko all of a sudden. It's like, yeah, now you just, like, wait tables and shit, and, uh, you know, we're going to be a couple now. Yeah. And she kills him in the sack. In doing that, in taking a small revenge, a justified revenge, it seems like, she ends up going to prison. And this is the part that really broke my heart is that they talk about because she's telling the other women as she's dying, right, about why they need to raise her daughter this way and do this and that. Right. Uh, you know, to keep this path as she's, you know, they all thought she was just a whore. And she's like, no, I, I became like she becomes this nymphomaniac yeah. trying to fuck every man she can because she wants to have a strong son who can avenge her. Right. And it's just. It's so fucking sad just this. Not only has she lost everything she loved, but now even the actual act of love and creating life and maybe restarting is just another weapon. It's just a tarnished, disgusting, vile yeah. act. And uh, it's just it's it's so. And this this is the crazy thing is it's it's one of the best revenge inciting stories. Yeah, because it's so stains every single person. It's one of those a small act of violence at the start that just extrapolates into, you know, these bandits kill her husband and now they're dehumanized more and more. So they just keep going further and further and they, they crush her. And then now she's, you know, giving birth to a demon, like you said, to just keep extrapolating this yeah. out. And it just keeps rippling through generations. Even I love, uh, it's just, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. I love that idea of like inherited revenge like that's something that that i hadn't seen in in a movie before that i like when we were watching i was like wow like this is fucking this that is so fucking different and so fucking interesting like inherited revenge like it's born into your dna like you are a spirit of vengeance only like that to me is really fucking cool oh that, it's it's crazy right like her last words to her daughter Right. A moment of redemption. Like she could have a family again, this and that. If she could let it go. Her last words to her daughter before she dies, avenge me. Yes. And then again, we just sit on this fucking still shot of her dead pasty body. And it is it is brutal. Yeah. It is absolutely brutal. Um, And yeah, I just I, I love because this is a movie that's like that. Right. It's a lot of stillness and a very crazy kinetic violence. Right. So. From the prison, somehow, she is given to this old monk, right, to watch her. Right. And immediately, are like, this guy should never be around children. <laughs> yes. Ever. Because right off the bat, he's like, your first, your path to revenge begins with jackass training. 
I'm going to roll you down a hill in a barrel. And then I'm going to tie a rope around us and beat the shit out of you. Oh, sticks. my God. Yeah, like the whole sequence, I was like, hmm, this is probably not the best way to raise a child. But sure, whatever. I guess if you're an instrument of revenge, you have to first be just abused completely and totally broken down. I mean, yeah, it's, it's this crazy thing. Like, he doesn't even believe she's a human. He's bought in. <laughs> You know, it's right. It, it it just adds this level of sadness because on the one hand, you do want her to become the hand of vengeance. Right. We all love a story where people get their just desserts because it rarely happens so uh, cinematically in life. <laughs> yes. Right. But you just watch this girl just being like fucked about and you're like, God damn, this poor kid. Like, give her a pinwheel or a kite, whatever toys they had <laughs> back then. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Give her a stick and a rock. Uh, there's this crazy fucking scene. Where he pulls out a sword and it's pretty much like, I think I'm just going to murder. You're like, he's just going to try to kill her now. Yeah. She does her her patented flip and lands as a little tiny girl with no clothes on now. Looks at him and just starts sucking the blood wound or the wound, the bloody wound, right? Just drinking her own blood. Her eyes never leave his. Yeah. Right? Like an alpha predator. And it's this moment of... Cause she's she's ripped she's she's barren like she uh, or she's uh she's bare now yeah right no clothes no nothing she's just this fucking blood drinking monster it's fucking beautiful shot I love that moment in this creepy old man's like child abuse factory <laughs> I just think that yeah that like that moment and the whole sequence with the old guy like everything about her training. It's sort of one of those things where I was trying to like I was watching I was watching and I was like where like I think about I, for some reason I kept thinking about Batman like the way how we always talk about how like Bruce Wayne died when he was six years old and Batman's the only uh-huh. character this is a this is a girl who was like born and bred into revenge like it's yeah. imprinted in her like did she ever like if you had brought her like a pinwheel or something like that or like a a hoop to throw around throw around the yard like. She wouldn't have that wouldn't have been the thing that was satisfied. Now, if you brought her like a guy who stole bread in the local tavern, like <laughs> she'd like fucking kill him and be really excited. Like, that's what I kept thinking. I kept realizing I was like, this is not a little girl It's just an instrument for revenge. She's a D. De- yeah. You think if like I sauntered up with a pinwheel, she'd like jam it into my urethra and like, tell me your crimes. It's <laughs> <laughs> like she's murdering. <laughs> But that's like Again, one of those, I just went to Toys R Us. I felt so that's bad. That's one of those you. great storytelling points, and it's also one of those. It's really sad. I'm going to say this, but it's also one of those ways you sort of can justify in a like thematic way, like just abusing the shit out of this little kid is like not a real kid, little demon. You're like, all right, well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's how all almost every criminal story right. involves some level of dehumanizing, right? And what I like about I love this because there's there's even a a fucking insane moment, right? When she's starting her journey, we learn that when she killed Japanese Mario, it was a job for this guy, this crazy one-legged, like, homeless guy gang leader who's going to get her the names of all these people, right? Right. And she shows up in this village, like, you know, Skid Row in the woods. Oh, for sure. And uh, all these dudes are like, yeah, come over here. And then they just, like, are in a circle. Pass her around. Pass her around. You're like, holy fucking shit, guys. Yeah. Can, can this girl catch a goddamn break? Like, her whole life is already ruined because she's getting abused by, uh, you know, the creepy old gong ringer. She's yeah. born in a prison. Uh, she can't have real emotions. She's Her whole life is gone to avenge people she'll never know. Yeah. I she love doesn't those. know what her dad or brother look like, right? She probably won't even remember her mom. Yeah. And then she just, you know, Mom, I'm going to make good. Oh, wait, all these homeless guys are trying to pass me around like a peace pipe. <laughs> Yeah, I love like, those. God damn it! I just love like that. Yeah, that scene where like the fu- the fu- those like five scrubs circle are like, oh yeah, she's definitely gonna put out. And then she like whips out of. So I was like, never mind, she's a slut. Let's try and kill her. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you need to pick a lane. Wait, you don't like the taste of my dirty homeless dick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like isn't dude, that guys, insane? Like pick for a, lane, a lot man. of human history, that was the woman experience. <laughs> It kind of it kind of makes us feel like we all should get revenge. Yeah, a bit. we definitely all deserve a little lady snowblood revenge. But yeah, and then she meets like uh uh what is, how do you, is uh Ma- Ma- Matsuemon the guy who was the um, leader of like the beggar clan or whatever, right? 
gnarly voice. I love how he just runs up and starts beating people with his crutches. Like, this is not the first time they've had the pass around conversation. Right. Like, hey, guys, like, hey, we don't do when, that yeah, here. Yeah, when I have uh, work friends coming over, don't pass them around. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and then he, like, he, it's weird because he almost becomes, he kind of becomes like this uh, kind of like Charlie. Like, I hate to equate it to Charlie's Angels, but it's sort of this thing where he's like, oh, I found the guy. <laughs> Like, I know that's really sexist, but I also, like, I don't know how else to put it. Masa like, Murray's demons or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's th- – this is one of the points, though, because it, it seems like just kind of a throwaway moment to get us through the plot to me. Right. But I've, I found a lot of interest in this moment of – the movie does a lot of just kind of showing the uselessness of all of this, right? Like, the way that people degrade themselves so much. Yeah. And so, like, you go from the bums to she gets the first name, she'll go out. Was that Bonzo? And, no, yeah, Bonzo Takamura, I think his name yeah, is. Yeah, who's like a fucking drunk in a, he's a drunk. tavern somewhere. Yeah, he's a cheat. His daughter's making these baskets, and this is one of the great moments. She's, you know, I'm selling these bamboo wives, you know, like, everyone wants them. And he has a bit of pride, right? Like, my daughter's doing this, and I'll have more money to keep drinking, right? You know, essentially. Yeah. And then she walks out and throws them off a cliff. Yeah. Right? Just to lie because what we find out is that she's having to do a lot more than, you know, whip bamboo together. She's like, this poor girl slinging it. Yeah. You know, in a high-priced horror operation gambling den. Right. And then goes home and actually does menial labor just to spare her drunken idiot father who put her in this scenario. Right. uh, Sadness about what's come of her. And she is... Kind of the opposite of everyone else in the movie, like dealt a really horrible hand, but is seemingly very cool and optimistic, right? Because, uh, you know, she had like Snowblood approaches her. I always forget. What the fuck is her name? Yuki. Yuki. Approaches her. And she's like, why'd you do that? Oh, no one would buy him anyway. He here's this little like flower pinwheel thing that I, I made, uh, you know, and it's it's these two characters that from similar origins are passing. Yeah. And we just see. You know, Takamura's daughter's just getting by. She's just trying to make it as okay as she can. Right. And it's fucking bad. Like, the trauma is inflicted on her constantly. Yeah. And her name is run through the mud by these fucking people that are going to, you know, rat her out to her dad that she's a whore. Right. Um, But when we are introduced to her, she is still smiling and optimistic and happy and trying to... She's trying to Do make kindness. The, she's not people. trying to change her situation. She's trying to make the best of the bad one she's in. Yeah, it's 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 just a really awesome moment. Yeah. Right? Because we, we do the Kill Bill thing when she says her name's Takamura. It's like, wee, 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 right. wee. <laughs> you know, the freeze frames in the face. Because we got the original, like, gang of four shot. That's right. exactly like, you know, at the wedding. Um, but these little moments to me, this is like what differs between Kill Bill. Kill Bill has a lot. It's such a good, fun movie. Yeah. But this feels more real and human at times. Like there's actual this character, Takamura's daughter to me, is the difference in the kind of movie. Um, I mean, I yeah, think, it's, it's I think these the small juxtapositions is, that add depth. I think the difference is yeah, like these kinds of things, like Takamura's daughter and those little beats that like slow the actual movie down. Like I'll give you, like to me, another version is like uh, when she goes to Gashiro's grave and like chops it. Like that to me is another one of those moments that's like it separates itself from Kill Bill in this way that makes things like you were saying more real. Like that, like Kill Bill to me is very one track minded. Like there's no real. Like, we're not sitting there going like, man, I wonder if she's going to get this done. The whole time you're like, that chick's going to fucking kill everyone. Like, it doesn't even right. matter. <laughs> Lady well, Snowblood has I'm a couple glad you of moments said that, where she stops. That's exactly right. But the moment, this is a great storytelling moment yeah. at the at the headstone. Oh, yeah. So she's I already killed that. her first guy, right? She saved him from people who are going to kill him. And you think maybe she's going to do a kindness for Yuki, whatever. And then she chops him up and then when he's dehydrated throws him off a cliff again <laughs> she's like oh no she's in this she like she's in it to win it yeah she finds out the second guy the ringleader of the group is dead and she cuts the the flowers and then she runs back and there is this shot of and there there's a shot there and then a shot back at the hut where you just see her face of you know just utter crushing sadness and this is the crazy thing right this guy's dead 
Yeah. He he's not out there loving or enjoying or hurting anymore. He's gone. Right. So in a way, the the mission's completed, but she's not able to accept that and enjoy the fact that he's just gone. There's this weird, I have to have my pound of right. flesh from you. That's what the fact is. that I didn't do it. It's not enough. It's not enough. And he could. She doesn't even. We don't even learn how he dies. Like he could have died a horrible right. death, as far as she knows. Well, I think that's the thing and that the I the like. sadness there shows this fucking despicable. The despicableness of revenge, even as justified as we as an audience can see it. Right. I like that. I mean, that's the thing. I like that it's the burden of revenge. Like, if you're going to set yourself down this path, especially Lady, especially Yuki herself, like if she's going to set herself down this path, she has a goal. And it's almost this weird sort of, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's sort of in the way, um, like, um, but people like sometimes people with Asperger's are very specific in like their like modes of like modes of like the way their day goes. So it's almost like she's in the middle of making her day go this way and something changes and she completely freaks out. Like because that is really kind of what it was like this crushing sadness is so brutal. You're like, why do I feel bad for a woman who can't kill someone who's already dead? Yeah. You're like, well, yeah. There's almost this like ritualistic nature to it right yeah to exactly. me it's the question of it's like you know if you're watching oceans 11 and you know right before the third act starts his rich uncle dies and he all of a sudden has a billion dollars right does he still carry out the bank robbery <laughs> you know or is he just like oh that's pretty cool like, it's not how i wanted to get rich i don't get to rub andy garcia's face in it and get a girlfriend <laughs> but you know I'm, I'm pretty rich that's great and that's how she is right it's not about the means they're, they're it's not about the ends it's about the means i guess is what yeah. i'm trying to say and that's and this is the thing, like you said, it's it's a subvert subvertive moment because the way you write this movie is like you said, it's it's Kill Bill or Batman where like we know they're going to get their revenge. Right. And of course, we know where it ends, but there's a moment of diversion where they make this is one of the more interesting choices you could make in this moment to actually stop and ponder the mission as a whole. Right. Yeah. And her as a an actual human being. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, cause yeah, cause the obvious way to do this is just, you find the next guy, you kill him. You find the next guy, right. you kill him. This movie stops and lets us all fucking just think yeah, about the, that tombstone. It stops a couple of times and gives you the opportunity to really like, it lets the story actually breathe a little bit. So it's not just this like for like, it's not just this foregone conclusion of revenge. Like you're having a conversation with yourself about the validity of this revenge like is it really worth it like what is this person putting themselves through just so they can feel what at the end that's yeah, kind of what that's not what even feel emotions for. yeah exactly there's that moment too where they said like she goes out on the steps and you know she kind of enjoys hearing the the little you know laughter of the kids right yeah she can't she's a demon she so there is this dipping her toe in like I, I'm almost done with my mission like maybe someday I can be and there's a moment right where her and the writer like can an Asura demon ever really be happy yeah right uh, you know can bloodstained snow ever become pure white again and that that's a question the movie makes you sit with right because uh, you're like yeah a horrendous moment was inflicted upon her and her well moments right like it was an, a horrendous event that happened Right. Um, but not to her, man. She wasn't there. Like, her tragedy is that she won't have a family. But if the creepy guy, right. if she had, like, not been dropped off with the creepy, uh, you know, gong banger and dropped <laughs> off with just, like, some nice nuns, like, she could have had a shot. You never know. I love that so that's how you describe there, it. There's nothing gained from it. Right. There's there's nothing gained from this revenge. It's this, this horrendous circle jerk of an activity. Right. And a lot of movies you know, dabble on that bit of it, but this movie does it exceptionally well. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's, it makes, it's what we talk about. It's the alchemy of making these kinds of movies where a movie like a revenge story could become so like egregiously fault flawed so quickly because granted it's a simple through line, but also you have to sometimes give people a reason to hang on. It's what like a movie like John wicks, a great example a movie like John wick could be real fucking boring, real fucking fast, but they killed that guy's dog, so you're going to fucking hang on to see how long it takes for him to kill the rest of those guys. And this, yeah. and this movie's no exception. Like, they've done her wrong, and she's going to go after them, but the difference is they give you the opportunity. They give her an out, even. Like, they kind of give her a little bit of an out. Like, is there a chance? And then, yeah, the guy says, there's no rest for an Asura demon. Like, that's that's what it is. Right. Well, there's 
there's a great moment too to that regard where she fights her way through the temple, right? So she meets this writer. He writes a comic book about it. Right. And that's how they're going to draw out the final lady that she wants to fight. Right. The writer gets kidnapped and is at a compound. And this is very, this is the scene I thought about Batman. She jumps in and just starts Batmaning everyone in this place. Oh, yeah. This is such an amazingly shot sequence. This is one of the things they do in this movie I love. Because the camera's kind of moving and sweeping with this this fluidity of fighting. Yeah. But what they'll do, a couple sword swings, ah, blood sprays, and the camera always locks back and centers her fucking eyes, right? right? And she sits kind of ready for the next attack, surveying. And man, it is fucking awesome and beautiful. <laughs> she meets this crazy, you know, lady. The lady whips out a gun, you know, easily outmatched, this and that. So right. they track her down and find out when they get to her uh, room, she's hung herself. Right. So again, Snowblood, two out of the three she sought. Or two out of, the, yeah, because her mom killed one, right? But so I two out of the three she sought goes. is not there. And you see her. And this is just like one of those like amazing. I don't know if it's because what's that thing they talk about the Ryan Gosling effect, where people don't know if he's a good actor or not because he just he has this ex like masterful nothingness face. Yeah, he's and people stoic. think that we just project it all onto him. <laughs> <laughs> like he might just be sitting there like burrito, burrito, burrito. <laughs> but we're like, look at the depth. But they do that. Her acting in this moment, watching that corpse. Right. Yeah. This is the end of her mission. Her mission's done. Um. And then she just takes the sword and chops that fucking body in half. She's got I, a real thing with desecrating dead people. I love, but like she's, but I love that like she's waiting. She makes sure the heart is still beating though. That's like the thing I love. Like she made sure that she gets the kill. That's like, that's some next level revenge shit right there. I love yeah, it's, that. Beat. Oh, it's so fucking cool, man. I love that moment. This is the weird thing though. That scene ends with a, a curtain close. Yeah. Right? Isn't that kind of a weird, like, it's the story's cool. over? Like, yeah, it's like we're on the stage again, like we were at the Japanese Mario scene, right. like, with the curtain coming down. Like, this is the end, we think. Right. It's but a it's, really it's, interesting choice. Yeah, I, I'm, it was just one of those, I was like, wow, man, they're, just, they're making, like, really interesting choices left and right. Uh, the other thing that I'm struck with by that scene is, this is something else, is how wide-ranging the revenge is in this movie. How many people does she kill to not get a kill the person she wants to destroy? Oh, you know she, what I mean? Oh, like she kills a ton she doesn't people. get a kill two of the three vic- like uh perpetrators, but she kills a shitload of people in this movie. Right. And you're just like, man, she's uh, uh, presumably killed a lot of people to just get to this point even. Yeah. And so now there's like and this is something they touch on, right? Uh, Takamura's daughter comes back, and she's like, now I want revenge. The very nice, sweet little girl that we saw before, although she had been living this hard, horrible life, was still trying to get through. Right. Now she's an Asura demon. And how many of those guys at that compound have their kids that are now going to try to be Asura demons? And it's like it's just a fucking stunning moment of this, oh, my God, dude, this never ends. Yeah. This This pointlessness of we always have to – like, and that's the thing. There's that moment when she sees her hanging there, too. You can kind of read it on her face of, like, this didn't make me feel better. Right. Like, nothing's better with me, man. This is so pointless. But now she might have made 300 other v- little snowbloods. Right. It, it's really a fucking cool moment. It's a g- weird idea that she doesn't get a kill two of the three at that point in the film. That's a ballsy decision. Well, she got... She technically gets uh, who's the girl? What's the woman's name? Hanzo, Honda. Hang on, I'm gonna look at this up because I want to know. Kitahama is the one who hangs herself. Yeah, but she's Takamura is the drunk, and then Gashiro or Gershiro. Oh, I'm thinking of yeah, Kitahama. Yeah, Kitahama Okana. Yeah, no, she. But he, she like makes sure she's still alive. She still gets her man. But she would have been dead if she doesn't cut her fucking head. Like she get she might in some small level be the executioner in her mind. Sure. But that that lady was dead. Like uh, she she was hanging herself. But it's a right. uh, Oh man, that scene when they're just staring back and forth at the eyes. Yeah. Holy shit. I love it's, Yeah, this woman has an amazing Ryan Gosling face. It's great. Dude. It's She's really fucking good. great. Yeah, so then we do this and that's the thing. The movie could have stopped there to me. Like it's so fascinating and interesting, awesome, cool. 
But then we add in this wrinkle of the guy she thought was dead yeah. has faked his own death. And he comes back with like the doppelganger twin disguise. Yeah, yeah. I have a goatee now. No one will. I have a goatee <laughs> and Leon glasses. Leon the professional glasses. No one will know me. Right. Um, and we find out the writer's his fucking son. He's known the whole time yeah. about this ruse. Um, so now Snowblood's. She's there's a weird scene where they're staring at each other also, right? Where she's like, I'll go kill that guy. And he's like, no, I'll do it. And they stare back and forth. And there's these really fast, violently fast cuts between moments from the past. Yeah. And it's this we've now lost that romantic notion of those two on the the boat and the lake. (laughs) Right. Like, can we be happier? Like, oh, no, this is fucking on. This is going. Uh, They're both destroyed. They're destroyed husk of people. Right. Right. So they go to. um the international eyes wide shut orgy yeah of celebrations because that's the thing right this guy this vile criminal who is like raping her (laughs) it's so funny right i fucking but this this guy now is a government criminal his criminal activities he's the only one who seems better off yeah gashiro we see like going or uh hitama we see going nuts in front of that altar she seems like she's almost like into like some Evil yeah, she's shit. got like she's got like a Lady Macbeth thing going on, but like Gish- yeah, very much. The other guys are drunk. Yeah. This guy Gashiro is living his good. best life. Gashiro is living. Why he has to be last, right? Yeah, he's he's living deliciously as fuck because <laughs> he did nothing but bad in the world. Yeah, and it's just like he made it. He's doing great. Everything's cool for him. Yeah. So it's it's a cool way to end. I I personally don't think you need any of this ending stuff. No, because uh, I think it's fascinating to not let her kill everyone. Right, but I mean, as far as like the tradition, I mean, it's interesting because as much as this movie like spends time subverting a tradition, it also does follow a very traditional process of getting your man. Like, there's a lot of that. Like, there's a lot of very specific revenge stuff that is required in this movie, but it does a really good job of letting the story breathe. So occasionally, you don't have that situation happening. It's really, it's a, it's just, it's just such a great. It's just such a great movie of like, it's not a matter of defying convention. It's almost like it's set its own. And then every revenge movie after this one, that's the movie. If you're doing it different than Lady Snowblood, you're doing it wrong. Like, that's what's really. Well, you're not doing the best version of a revenge movie. Right, exactly. Uh, it, uh, it's, it makes so many intro because this is the thing, right? She goes to the orgy. She runs in. She sees the guy slink back through a secret wall. Always love secret walls in movies. Always great. She goes back and there's like the creepiest, saddest sex room. She fights the guy, easily chops his hand off. Awesome death. Kills him. Right. The writer comes in. And then all of a sudden we we, we start, and this is a great moment. We start a goatee peel. Yeah. Oh my God. It's a fake goatee. It's a decoy. And then immediately forsake that into, it's an entire fake face. <laughs> they pull off like a Mission Impossible mask. <laughs> And then we find out that, of course, the mirror in the creepy fuck room is a two-way creeper mirror. Right. So they bust the mirror, and that guy's just, Hoo! he's like, cut me. And there's, like, all these weird boxes, probably sex props and, like, you know, definitely, butt plugs and whatever. Definitely a lot more eyes wide shut masks, that's for sure. Yeah, right. So he takes off, and then uh, there's this showdown. She's on another balcony, and they have this psychic battle, right? Yeah. Where, like, they're talking to each other psychically without saying anything, right? It's just... There's a lot, and that's one of those. I'm like, you don't need that. It's fine, but we get the weight of what's going on. It's real. It's real anime-ish, actually. Like to me, that yeah. part was like, I was like, <laughs> I have seen this scene in so many different like showdowns in an anime. Like I feel, I feel like, like I feel like it's one of those Dragon Ball things. Like you're just sitting there, and you're like, I like it's just the like in the movement in the background, this whole crazy thing. Like that's how I viewed it. Like it's like the precursor almost. Yeah, and I mean, it ends on just this insane violence, right? So the son and dad start tussling. Yeah. And the dad just shoots dad his son fucking in the stomach. Like, kid. It feels like he shoots him like 25 times. <laughs> the guy's like, ah, ah, he's like, Yuki, do it. And she, like, you know, jumps off a chandelier. And instead, it's like she's such a skilled assassin, like, just throw the sword. Yeah. <laughs> right? But instead. The son's just still getting shot. He looks like, you know, he's Sonny, Sonny Corleone. (laughs) But he's still holding on. And then she fucking murders them by running both of them through. The dad's body falls over the railing and he just drips blood on not only this this scene of the blood orgy, right? Breaking the mystique of his, his power and his wealth. 
But he gets blood all over the fucking Japanese flag. Like, even his country for making this criminal enriching him. It's a really fucking gnarly, awesome shot. Yeah. Uh, but here's my favorite. This is one of my all-time favorite moments in the movie. Uh, when Yuki goes outside, she's been hit. Yeah. Right? And Takamura's daughter's caught up with her. And she runs up in just the most pathetic, like, mousy way, stabs her again. And there is this fucking look they exchange. Where Takamura's daughter stabs her and she just looks like she's going to break down and cry. Like, this didn't fix anything. It's horrible. This is not who I am. I've, I'm, I'm, I've killed myself in a way, right? Right. And Snowblood looks at her like, oh, this is so sad. Like, this is an unexpected victim that I created, right? Right, right. I am the monster. But that just that, that little visual moment of them staring at each other. And Takamura's daughter just running off weeping. I was like, that's the whole movie there, man. Yeah. Like, they're both daughter, they're both Asura demons, or at least, you know, in theory, on, on their path. Um, and just how they handle their moments, right? And the, the dealing with the consequences of their, their actions. It's just a little extra thing, but man, it just means the world to me when I watch this movie. It's a really good, it's just, it's the beat that reaffirms the notion in the movie of like, is, because really, it's interesting, this movie is a revenge movie, it totally justifies how, not to say awesome, but totally awesome revenge can be, but at the same time. Well, cathartic, if not awesome, cathartic. Well, (laughs) and that's what it is, though, is like, it's this strange moment, like, this exchange between the two of them, this visual exchange is literally about the antithesis of catharsis. Like, it's almost like they stop and they realize none of this has been for anything. Like, neither of them feel better. It's a moment where they both have achieved their goal and are seemingly the most miserable they could be. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like, Yuki even wanders over and on her hands and knees just finally feels the emotion of it all and just this primal howl. Right. Right? She's just laying there dying in the snow, like or at least bleeding out. Um, then she wakes up the next there, morning. <laughs> there's kind of like, yeah, like a, that's her death, and then she is reborn. Yeah, it's like a uh, you know, post tragedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just the movie to me is just it has all the fun sword fighting and blood and you know, kind of carnage you want. Yep. But I think you said it the way I would think of it. Right? Is this movie between the madness there is a stillness that allows the audience to sit and ponder these these acts of violence whether justified or not in the audience's mind right like we have to think like was any of this worth it yeah how many more yukis are out there now right when does this end like eventually are we all just in this giant are we all in this cyclical game of revenge with our own detractors it's really it's exactly what it's it's exactly what the movie i feel like wants to tell you which is like maybe we are maybe you are Pay attention. Well, it's it's this great embracing of the what it is, right? Like, this movie isn't trying to subvert or not be a bloody action revenge movie. Right, no. It just happens to have all these really well thought out and masterfully played moments that give it a depth that a lot of these movies don't reach. Yeah. It's cool. And I think stillness is part of it, right? Like, that Ryan Gosling shit is funny to laugh about, but... Part of it is just you have to let an audience stop and think. Look, there's a reason that times. there's a reason though that that's so impactful, and it's because of exactly what you just said. Like you have to let an audience stop and think. Like I can tell you, yes, I think that Ryan Gosling is the master of looking out stoically beyond the camera. <laughs> but I also think he does it in a way like I think of movie, I think of the movie Drive. Like Drive's a great example of this kind of movie for me. Because he doesn't talk a lot in that movie, but he does just stare out into the distance. And you do see in this character's face, like, there is contemplation. There is real yeah. contemplation there going on. Like, what is my next move? And that's exactly... And, and even if he's not contemplating, you are. Right. And that's what that's, the that's what a great movie does, is it makes you do the thinking for the character. So when something happens, maybe it is surprising to you, but that's what makes going to that movie so exciting. Yeah, I mean, to me, when you can have all the fun, but also just, I, I forget her name, the actress that played Snowblood, though, the still, the stillness, the eyes, the 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 looks, the the processing this while trying to maintain this iron facade. Yeah, 
I mean, it it is such a stunning performance. Make it, it is it is truly magical. Like this is what we talk about movie magic. This movie to me has it right because at one point, how does a movie with such cartoony violence allow us to dive so deep into the emotional side of this story? Yeah, it's it's because of her name is Mako Kaji. It's because of oh, actresses like brilliant. Make, it's because of actresses like Mako Kaji who make you who assign who they're not even they're giving you the option to assign an emotion to her like you're feeling what she's feeling because she's willing to sit there in the stillness of the moment and let you feel what she's feeling it's it's something else man like it's other but it's also one of those movies you never i never found myself sympathetic to her no not it's almost as if she exists outside of the human condition right and all we're meant to do is just like she's just this mirror on all of our bullshit. No, yeah, I mean that's, it's crazy. It's what it is. It's but it's it's not done in like a pretentious art house way. There's also still kick ass sword fighting, yeah. and blood everywhere. It's there's still I don't this, know. There's still it's this visu- gr- this movie is visually magical. Yeah, there's still this great there's still this great commercial appeal to a movie that has so much depth to it without even really assigning depth. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Guys, that's it, man. We could sing praises on this show for all time, but that's that's it for this one. Go out and watch um, it, guys. Film struck. Man, Lady Snowblood is the essence of why we do this show. Just movies that are so fucking fun and interesting and powerful. We just got to share it with each other and you guys, man. Convalescence is really If you like this, yeah. If you like this movie, man, share it with a friend. You can find it on Filmstruck again. Uh, get a me- test membership, man. That site is loaded with gems. Great, really good. Great stuff. Really yeah. good. So share Lady Snowblood with a friend. Sit down and watch it with them. And then share the show with them, guys. Rate, review. Um, again, I haven't said it in a while, but you can follow us on uh, the Letterboxd app. That's where I'm keeping a list of all the movies that we have done or are about to do. Uh, we actually already had a listener say they want us to do Annihilation, so that's in the works. Um, if you guys give us the input on what you want, themes, uh, curations, just one-offs, right? Double features. Someone you want us to try to talk to, you guys. Help us help you. Tell us what um, you want, and we will make it happen. Yeah. Unlike our wives, we won't disappoint you. <laughs> yes. My wife, perennially disappointed. You guys never i promise that's how i felt about my marriage in that one scene right that like me and amy have been bled dry on the beach and humiliated and then just yeah let's drag it up the hill and throw it off for one more i think i think i think all husbands can just probably kidding, i love you babe i love you babe all, all husbands can relate to being the corpse thrown off the side after being blood dry it's a real yeah. it's a real treat yeah i gotta say i was not real thrilled with us men folk after this don't pass them around. No passers. Don't, Don't be, be cool. Yeah, be you fucking wood hoodlums. 